0: Hi there, David. Hi, Nick. Uh,
1: Nicholas. Let's uh, talk about your book.
0: Fantastic.
1: Uh, You know, I read that uh, several years ago. uh, And uh, you have two books. You have uh, Analysis of the West, and you also have A New Magna Carta. And uh, last time we talked on our podcast, uh, there was a lot of interest in your book, Analyze the West. We didn't get a chance to talk about it because we were talking about code of conduct or um, code of uh, human behavior. Uh, so let's talk about your, uh, your two books.
0: Yeah, well, thank you very much. Well, also, thanks to you, David, because you, um, you helped to edit both of them. And, or not edit, sorry, you helped to review and give comments, uh, which was very helpful. And uh, in fact, you you were so inspired that you've gone on to do some writings of your own based on the methodology, which is very impressive. Um, so yeah, well, the first book is um, um, Analyze West, and um, essentially the story of that. How? Where do we start? Basically, it's a book. Imagine that you have the consciousness, the the group consciousness of Western civilization, in. Uh, embodied in one person called West, and he turns up in the emergency department of the hospital, having a panic attack, saying, "Oh my God, you know, I can't pay my bills. The Chinese are trying to take over. The you know Islam is threatening me, and I can't. You know I, I can't pay the pensions, and I, I hate myself. I want to kill myself. Everything I've ever done is wrong, and I, I'm a bad person." And basically, it was a story of how he turned up in A&E having a panic attack. And um, basically, he was invited to see the psychiatrist who initially didn't believe that he was, uh, of course, thought he was insane. Didn't believe he was the consciousness of Western civilization, but gradually got to know him and realized that he was. Um, And during that process, got to hear his history and how he came to be as he is um and then looked at all the different dimensions of the western mind all its pathologies its strengths its weaknesses and basically worked through a process of sorting his head out and um intertwine and it's told as a novel as a story and um uh, uh it, it's got a love story embedded and it all ends uh, of course there's a thriller and uh, you know they try to close him down and so on but in the end he Gets his head sorted out and is ready for a new start, and he uh, announces that he's ready to write the new Magna Carta uh, on the eight hundredth anniversary of the, the previous one, and that's the second book, uh, New Magna Carta. Uh,
1: you want to talk about the second book also?
0: Yeah. Well, new. The idea of um, the. How can I put this? The so. Let me. Let me. Back up. Um, when I first started looking, I first started out looking at the problems of Britain. You know where I come from. You know problems with crime, problems with political correctness, problems with the bureaucratization of of healthcare and so on. And initially, I started out on a project called I called it Brit, you know Britain on the psychiatrist's couch and. I very quickly realized, you know, I thought for all these things, let's just look at other countries. Let's look at America, Canada, New Zealand, you know, Austria or wherever. And let's just see how they do it in other countries. And I I quickly realized that they're making all the same mistakes in all the other countries, to the degree that it's weird, you know, you'd have thought, um, you know, with all the People talk about diversity with the actual diversity of the world you'd have thought there would be loads of different ways of doing things in all these different countries but the shocking thing is how similar it is and i realized we're actually part of a much larger group consciousness of, of um, western civilization and to some degree emerging global civilization and so um you know uh you can say it's completely insane to try and approach such a big subject but i did and I thought initially, you know, where to start. So I started with um, authority um, because I noticed that as a as a child growing up in the nineteen seventies in in London, everything was collapsing, everything was falling down. Uh, all the old authority structures were being disrespected. So whether it's teachers, doctors, parents, policemen, the nation, the flag, the religion, etc., whatever, every source of authority seemed to have lost its self-confidence and was being mocked and denigrated. And I could see the downsides of that. You know, I could see the insecurity and the crime and the loss of confidence and the, the kind of the dark side that goes with that. And so I thought, okay, how can we put that right? How can you, is there a way to, you need healthy authority that the the postmodern bigots, as I would call them, would say, oh, you don't need authority, Um, although they they usually think they need it themselves. But um, so what, what does healthy authority look like? And so I did what's called an appreciative inquiry, a type of research, where I interviewed a huge number of people from a wide range of backgrounds, starting out from my grandparents, and then through policemen nurses doctors military officers even teachers in Los Angeles you know really a broad range of people and asked them two questions and one question was in, when you assert your authority what gives you the confidence to do that and then dig down for the answers and then the second question was when you defer to someone else's authority why is that and again dig down for the answers and I could tell you what the answers were but the more interesting thing was actually that even though it was a really genuinely diverse bunch of people from different backgrounds completely different ways of life they all gave me the same answers and after about um, I think it was about number eight or so I actually had almost a physical experience of uh, a bit like in the in the Indian system, you have the chakra system and the the various energy centers, and they have the third eye where they have the, the ticker, the red spot, the Hindu red spot in the center of the forehead. And um, there I could feel like a pressure. And when I was interviewing the people, I, I actually felt, an, the I realized that we have an inner map of the world. And it, suddenly the penny dropped. Um, and I thought, on the one hand, it's incredibly depressing. All these people are telling me all the same reasons as why why our society is collapsing and why they've lost confidence and authority. Um, but I thought, actually, no, what, what we've got here is just like a, a shoal of fish or a flock of birds or a migration of wildebeest. As human beings, we are social animals. And actually, as social animals, we carry an inner map and an inner compass, so an inner map of this is who we are, this is me, my family, uh, my, you know, my village or, or whatever, my country, my civilization, uh, it could be. And, and so, and basically it's amazingly simple. It distills to com- simplicity from complexity. So it's, this is who we are, this is where we've come from, this is where we're going, um, this is what we value, this is what's important. This is what's right and wrong, good and bad, true and false. And here are the rules. Here's how it works. And obviously, you know, that could be details of this is how we make a judgment, how we make a decision, how you make a how you run a school, how you educate someone, etc. But actually, amazing simplicity from complexity. And the light bulb went on. And I I realized that essentially, as a civilization, we carry this in a map and We navigate it with our inner compass, which is our brain, our logic, our reason, our our, uh, mind, our heart, literally our heart intelligence, our gut, our our gut intelligence, our emotion, our energetics, our um, social dynamics and so on. And essentially, as human beings, we're perfectly evolved or as someone religious would say, God has given us this as a way to navigate complexity. Anyway, so the punchline was, initially I was depressed by it. I thought everyone's telling me the same reasons why it's a disaster. But actually I thought, aha, if I can get this map, if I can download this map from a good sample of people, find out what the inner map of Western civilization is, find its pathologies, find out what's wrong, find out what's not working, and find out how to optimize it, then I can inject it back into the group consciousness and spread mm-hmm. it, spread it like wildfire. And, like you, just like you'd upgrade the software on your phone or your um, laptop, you, we can upgrade Western civilization really quickly. So, essentially, that's what led me to the Future of Western Civilization project, which I then wrote up as the book Analyze West. And to finally answer your question so, the new Magna Carta is the the output of that so what is the map of the western mind what's the if you like the essence of the western soul the the what are the rules of the west if you're a newcomer come to join us how do you become one of us how does it work and what are the boundaries what, what are the mechanisms the operating system
1: you know i'd almost say um that that is amazing discovery and you said that it can it can be spread like wildflower wildfire and uh, I would say if I were to try to characterize it just uh, from my own conscience of right and wrong I would say no nuclear weapons uh, individuals are getting more power as evidence in Iran where the people are protesting harsh regime regimes uh, the rise of anarchy in is a, just a small segment. The larger group uh, wants a stable system, but yet this small group seems to be challenging law and order. And uh, why law and order doesn't come down harder on them is because of, uh, I think because of rules that are set in place that uh, protect individual rights. And so, uh, uh, the individual right, strength, and the strength of uh, law and order are sometimes in a clash with each other. I would say also that fundamentalism in the United in the world is creating uh, uh, clashes between different groups, and uh, there are. But the larger group I don't think wants to engage in that clash uh, because uh, conflicts. We haven't had a large conflict, a world war since World War II. So uh, the idea of another third world war is really uh, counterintuitive. In fact, I would say we're in a a golden age of peace Mm. where, you know, there's so much strength militarily that uh, that we can never use nuclear weapons to ever even conceive of that would be insane. So then we would be back in the emergency hospital wondering what went wrong with our <clears> brain. <throat> um, and also, even bioweapons can never be used because uh, of the devastating impact it would have to the general
0: population. What, 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 what do you mean, David? We, uh, they've just released a bioweapon, we're, we're living with it.
1: Yes. And, and, and okay, and I would have to retract on that one and say uh, that, that, uh, that it's uh, going to have major impacts on on the way we mm. think
0: i think that's this is the whether or not i think it's fairly clear from the evidence that the covid virus was manufactured um uh whether that's maliciously or by by scientific experimentation uh, in in china in the wuhan lab and whether or not it was released by mistake or on purpose we don't know but whatever the outcome, wh- whichever of those it is, what's clear is that a lot of very dark figures will be looking at this and thinking, "This is fantastic. We've managed to take complete control of the world, put everyone under house arrest, uh, control uh, you know, destroy small business, make people dependent on the state, take extreme control of people's minds, family, even to the point of saying, the British government telling people who can and can't have sex with each other I and mean, it's it's extreme and um this is just the first they'll have looked at this and thought great you know let you know there will be a whole series of them to herd people into um the um what they what they have planned
1: but do you feel like um not to distract from your uh, idea of the new Magna Carta, because I wanted to have you talk about what you, some of your patterns that you saw I, I just was telling you some of the ones I wanted to to say about um, but I remember being in an art class and the art professor was analyzing uh, one of the drawings that I'd done it was uh, it was on a flower and we we're supposed to do an abstract on the flower and uh, and there were certain rules of beauty and design and one is that you have you don't interrupt a free flowing line. So if you have a free flowing line and you have a continuous color flow, you don't interrupt that sharply because to do that uh, is uh, something that's counter to counterintuitive to uh, uh, to the uh, rules of beauty. So d- is there something that you found in the new Magna Carter? that says that civilization is moving towards uh, kind of like in a, a yellow level or maybe even a green level or uh, in the uh, code of behavior?
0: Um, first of all, let me say I really loved what you said there, that that's um, of all the branches of philosophy, a- aesthetics is one of the ones that um, is perhaps least in vogue. And uh, it's got that that's a, that's a lovely way of making it relevant. Um, is are we so your question are we moving towards a healthy integration of value systems Um yeah i think ultimately yes but um not by the smoothest path by a very rough path that's going to involve a lot of conflict and uh, harm unfortunately um i've been trying to smooth the path my own way but but um unfortunately the uh uh, elite group think is pretty stuck and they're not open to that so um, we're going to have to learn the hard way through a lot of suffering unfortunately but, but in the end yes I'm optimistic it, it'll, uh, things will turn out I don't know if they'll turn out for the best but uh, you know things are he- heading towards integ- healthy integration
1: What were some of the things that you found in the new Magna Carta that people were saying
0: i think i mean i mean a vast uh, if, it's hard to summarize because there were i think there were two hundred and fifty five recommendations but i mean the top the top one was gratitude you know one of the when you look at uh, i mean this applies to all people and all civilizations of course but specifically when we you, the objective was to look at how do we turn around western civilization one of the top things is its self hatred and it's excessive self-criticism and one of the top things is gratitude for what we've what, what do we actually have and compassion and forgiveness for our shortcomings so for example like you just said earlier you know it's easy to say here are all the many many problems we have all the disasters and all the threats and you know that's all true but also we live we're incredibly fortunate to live in a time with so much prosperity and health and freedom, peace and opportunity. Um, even if you take a, a simple example that we virtually always take for granted—just going on a trip to the supermarket—if um, you said to our ancestors, you know, you know, for a hundred thousand years, you know, you could walk five minutes to a safe place, and you could find everything you could possibly need to eat, cook, clean, and clothe yourself. Um, and produced to a high standard, safely, efficiently, at a reasonable value uh, from people all over the world, they simply wouldn't believe you. It's astonishing. That would be like a, a, you know, a a magical wish from your fairy godmother. But this is what we live with all the time. And I think the, the second one would be seeing the big picture. You know, again, we we're very good and myself included, you know, at at focusing in on now and all the, the detail and what's not right and so on. But actually, if you float out, you know, all the people that sort of say everything about the West is bad and la la la. Well, you know, if you float out, out to the Earth and look across time and space, across all human evolution and look at the last couple of hundred years, it's absolutely astonishing. You know, the vast majority of human history was poor, uh, tribal, territorial, and by modern definitions, racist, violent, um, and so on. And we're hurtling towards a conscious global post-racial civilization uh, with amazing health, amazing technology, um, of course, with lots of problems and challenges, but the big picture is fantastic progress.
1: Yeah, I was actually thinking about that the other day when I was driving to work, how COVID has um, created a huge demand for robotics. uh, And the machines are getting more capable of doing things like uh, assembly. uh, They can do stacking now, they can do automated warehousing. Uh, With 3D printing, they're starting to now uh, 3D print your house. Mm in a small scale, you can actually see what your house will look like in a small mm. scale. Uh, with, in uh, terms of, of biology, uh, the AI is now being able to be used to detect uh, certain cancers, certain heart defects. It can listen uh, to your uh, the way you're talking. It can look at your retina and it can tell you if you've got certain types of heart conditions wow. uh, yeah so it it's um, the the era of high-tech information data <clears throat> is starting to to come in where uh machines are now starting to be more useful up to this point machines have been doing things like tabulating your payroll uh running uh maybe a robot but they haven't been really that interactive we don't walk up to our computer and start talking to it. But uh, that's about ready to change. Mm. Uh, You're going to be able to uh, talk to your computer and ask it to summarize a book for you. Mm. And uh, the machine will have read that whole book and and comprehended it. So uh, the question I guess I'm having is, where are we now in, in this new Magna Carta? Are we at the are we at the blue phase or are we moving into this green phase with China? For example, you know, we talked about West analysis of China where he was really threatened by it. You know, we had seen Trump where he's put a lot of economic pressure on China mm-hmm. and that's had a good effect, right? They've got more respect for us. The trade deficit decreased. Uh, we got better balance in mm-hmm. trade. And, and so there was more respect on the West side with, uh, with Asia. Um, where, where are we now in the West?
0: Yeah, wow, that's a big question, David. I think on that particular issue, I think the... Um, I mean, we mustn't assume that your listeners will have listened to the um, the spiral dynamics, the master codes, and therefore know what the colours mean So, uh, of the master code, so we should d- define those. But broadly speaking... Um, of the nine fundamental value systems, Western civilization is kind of uh, got two dominant ones which are controlling the elite. So the, if you like, the modernist uh, mindset, uh, which is given the color orange arbitrarily, is um, kind of that of business, of science, of pragmatism, of individualism, of democracy. And then its healthy version, it's delivered all of the amazing things of the modern world including democracy and capitalism and so on uh but but like all the other value systems it's got a you know it goes too far and does damage and undermines the ones before and so we see that in terms of inequality and unsustainability and loss of spirit loss of community loss of nation loss of meaning and purpose Um, and that one basically controls the economy and then the second one uh the uh arbitrarily given the label green, the postmodern system uh in it it basically controls the educational establishment, the entertainment, media, the um political elite. And that's basically the postmodern level of there is no truth, there's just complexity, multiple perspectives, it's one of wanting to in its healthy version, wanting to heal and reintegrate and heal all the different voices and celebrate diversity and multiculturalism there is no truth um you know we want to uh, you know deal with the problems that the orange system the capitalist system has created so so deal with inequality deal with sustainability etc but then it's not but on it which is all of that's very nice but when it's in its unhealthy version it's fairly fundamentalist it's anti-capitalist it's anti-science it's anti-business it's anti-nation it's anti-boundary it's anti-judgment it's anti-god it's anti-community and basically it kicks away the ladder that it climbed up and essentially that's where we are so what you're describing with the economy there with china and america and the west more generally is that obviously china was in the communist phase um, and as Deng Xiaoping moved into the capitalist phase. In other words, he looked over the border and saw that, you know, Chinese people living under British rule with British values, British law, British capitalism and education would do amazingly well. So we'd better adapt and be pragmatists and learn how to do that ourselves. So they did. And, um, and they did very well and they copied absolutely everything and learned absolutely everything brilliantly. Um, and what happened in the West was a combination of those two value systems. So the, the orange, the, the sort of the business level was essentially you know opportunistic as it should be and um, wanting to spread markets and make profit and so on, but also greedy, also selfish, also naive, and also not caring about the nation state or security or health. And that basically shipped all of our jobs, uh, all of our infrastructure, all of our industry over to China and allowed them to ruthlessly steal all of our intellectual property, which is fine for them to do that. It's fine for them to try it. But us being the idiots for letting them do it and get away with it. Um, And then the postmodern system, essentially naive. You know, there are there are no countries, there are no boundaries. We're all the same, everything's equal, and also you can't if you criticize China, you're a racist. I mean, moronic level of thinking, but um, that's that's where they are. And um, essentially, the Chinese have done an amazing job of exploiting our stupidity, our naivety to essentially steal all of our knowledge, uh, learn from everything we've ever done, learn how we were successful, model it, bottle it, and ship it out. Uh, they've exploited our greed, our naivety and our stupidity to take all of, it's our fault, not theirs, you know, to, to take all of the, the uh, Britain used to be the workshop of the world and then America and, and now China. And, um, and the naivety of the, both those systems, one was that, if you like, the orange capitalist system is they thought that as the Chinese become prosperous, their values will shift. They'll become interested in individualism, democracy, um, pragmatism. They won't be communists, and they'll want democracy and a free, open society. And the postmodern system said, you know, oh, you know, we're all one world, we're all the same, we're all equal, and it doesn't matter anyway. And even if we did have some values, we're bad anyway, and we should hate ourselves and and shouldn't judge anyone. And essentially, what's happened is actually no, that well. For some people, so obviously the Chinese in Hong Kong or Taiwan or uh Singapore or whatever, absolutely have followed that model because they had strong British foundations of the law and the uh the the, the religion and, and so on. But in in the case of I and mean, obviously the many of the elites within China have followed that path, but fundamentally the system is no longer communist but it's basically a gangster thug uh bureaucracy of uh, it's just about power really and they're very very clever and they've exploited our weak our weaknesses our stupidity and they they and i'm not blaming them they're very clever and they're doing exactly the right things it's us who are the us the west who are the idiots for allowing for being so naive um, we're now in a position where they've got all the industrial capacity uh, where our economies are seriously out of balance um and basically they have been conducting full spectrum hybrid warfare against us on all every level ever since and this include this is now coming out you know with uh you're seeing it come into the public domain with the biden family and their financial connections, but it's true in Britain as well. Much of the elite are in the pockets of the Chinese Communist Party, Um, not ideologically, but just in a shallow, uh, weak and uh, greedy way just for their own interests. And all the all the big businesses are, you know, they're perfectly happy to sell out our nation, our freedom, our democracy, anything to make money. And so we've put ourselves in a vulnerable position, basically. But the flip side is that the Chinese uh, system, although they've done brilliantly well, they are in a dodgy situation themselves because essentially their banks are very uh, weak foundations. They've got massive asset bubbles. They've got a vast amount of corruption. Um, and it's, it's actually the only reason it's held together is partly because they don't have freedom or the, the right to talk uh, about things and challenge things, but also because they've had such an amazing rate of growth that, you know, you can brush it under the carpet. But as some what has happened is our dear friend Donald has, uh, Mr. Trump, President Trump, has been the first president uh, and the first Western leader to actually see and understand the mistakes we've been making. And he's tried to, begin to put it right to say actually no you know we'll trade with you fairly um we're not going to let you uh cheat us and you're not going to steal our stuff anymore and we're going to you know we're not going to allow this uh unfair playing field and we're going to bring our jobs back etc and and essentially um obviously the, the chinese don't like that because they've had a free run at it um and that has destabilized their system because um that you know, it's exposing all of their weaknesses and vulnerabilities. Now, if you had a healthy system, the Chinese system would evolve, it would become more open, it would clean up its act, uh, have better regulation, better democracy, better rule of law, uh, and and so on. And in the West, our system would be more healthy and would also adapt. But unfortunately, it's not as smooth a ride as that. And um, we're basically in the position where, a very small number of the economic nationalists, the the populists see what's going on, but the majority of the elites of the West are still kind of half greedy, half naive globalists. And they're more than happy to collude with the Chinese communist party. Uh, and, And so there's the fights on really, and we'll see how it plays out.
1: Well, and it seems like Iran, uh, it said in right, Iran exports uh, oil to China. And so they've, uh, China has actually set up 10 million, um, yeah, I think it was 10 million CCD cameras uh, in Iran. And so they're starting now to utilize uh, the Iranian workforce, but they're also exporting natural gas and oil. And so this tension on the nuclear tension and the sanctions against Iran have worked. It's, it's, uh, it's caused the, uh, the regime to, to consider the position on nuclear weapons, but also China at the same time has a, a vested interest to make sure that Iran doesn't, uh, that that does not escalate because they have a, a vast source of oil and natural gas that's coming from that region. How does you mentioned earlier about gratitude Uh, when you're, when you're looking at this mindset, this global mindset, how does gratitude uh, factor in when you're talking about these tensions?
0: Wow. That's, (laughs) that's a tough question. Um, How I'm going to come with this is one of the, how do we put this? Essentially, one of the key fault lines in the West is the battle between the those people who believe in the nation state, that the nation state is a, a natural and healthy form of organisation that we should feel some emotional attachment to. It's not just a passport. It's not just a transaction. It's a, it's a family. You know, it's a group uh, versus those who believe in sort of globalism. And there are lots of forms of that, just kind of naive anarchic globalism, or, or sort of we're all one world under one UN. It, you know, it sounds like a dream, but it should be a nightmare. You know, under one government. Um, and the where gratitude links to that is that what's happened in the West is that one of the reasons the West did so well was that we had the nation. There are many ingredients, but one of them was the nation-state. Of you know Spain Portugal England France Holland, etc as a very effective functional unit and what has happened is as as the capitalism did brilliantly well, we had empire and globalization and so on um, that has kind of globalized the world in, in both a positive and negative way, and so you think. You could easily say, "Oh, we don't need borders anymore. We're we just—I'm a citizen of the world, etc. I can just go anywhere and do anything." Uh, and to a degree, that's true, and to a degree, that's desirable. And then, of course, during the First World War and the Second World War, there was—we certainly saw the dark side of um, the nation state, of of racism, of nationalism, of hatred—you know, irrational, foolish hatred of others—leading uh, to cataclysmic uh war and mass killing so <clears throat> so what's happened is we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater so um we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater and so gratitude would be to say that the nation the nation state whether it's britain france australia or whatever you know um we have gratitude for it just as and it's good self healthy self esteem So just like as an individual, um, you know, as a psychiatrist, if I had a patient come to me and say, I hate myself, all the world's problems are my fault, everything bad is down to me, I've only ever done bad things, I'd say, my God, you've got a serious problem, you know, you've come to the right place, and this is going to take some time to sort you out, and um, this is, but this is where we've got to with our nation states, this is the this is the, the toxic postmodern idea that all nations are bad. They don't even exist. It's an artificial construct. And anyway, it's all fake and bad and racist and evil and la la la. That's complete nonsense. It's completely out of balance and it's sick. So, where gratitude comes in is healthy appreciation of what is good, have a healthy balance of the positive and the negative, you know, appreciating our strengths and covering knowing our weaknesses being huge gratitude for as i said the shop or healthcare or the law and all the many things that we take for granted and and but also humility for the mistakes and the problems and so on so i think i think those people that want to do away with the nation and have one global world i mean in you know if only you knew how dark that would be but anyway it's not but so really the the future vision of it if you like and fast forward a vast amount of time if we don't nuke, nuke ourselves or get knocked out by bioweapons you know however the nation states wax and wane over time human beings you will always have healthy group groups of human beings whether it's in cities or nations or regions or whatever and uh, some of those will be successful some will be more or less successful some will be more or less dynamic and each one will have its own just like a football team you know its own culture its own character its own or whatever and each one should it's healthy to have a positive patriotism I basically like myself I'm okay I'm not perfect I'm not arrogant I don't hate others but I basically like myself. I've got strengths and weaknesses and I'm all right. And, 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 um, the same for our groups, the same for our families, the same for our nations.
1: I really like that. I, I, we just went through, um, I was asked by our church leader, uh, president Nelson to, to list things that we were grateful for. And I've spent, oh. uh, like was like seven days so every day i was writing something i was grateful for what i found was is it made me feel better i felt a lot better uh when talking about things that i was grateful for and i was pulling stuff from 40 years ago Mm. it was amazing how deep uh those value systems were but you know my essence of who i am today is uh, I was bringing up, uh, and so what I found was the gratitude actually increased the uh, information. I know, I had a friend. He said, "Why did you?" Uh, he had another person ask him, you know, when they did, they were doing this thing about gratitude, and he asked that guy. He said, "Why, why do you always talk about things that you're grateful for?" And he says, "I found when I talk about things I'm grateful for, it improved my ability to see things as they mm. really are. I wasn't getting caught up, like you were saying, about the nation states." about the nuclear arms, about the uh, COVID, you know, I was able to see things of opportunities Mm -hmm. and because as a businessman, I could see more opportunities. Uh, That's why I, I focused so much on gratitude. And so you're saying that this uh, mega uh, movement of gratitude could be uh, transferred into the, Uh, global consciousness and so that would be a positive yeah absolutely
0: i'm very patriotically british that doesn't mean to say i hate you because you're an american or hate you because you're of american japanese descent you know it's it's good that you're you're a positive patriot and love america you know it's just like two healthy people with healthy self-esteem and when you when we have foreigners come here to become one of us it's healthy that they should be welcomed and and learn the rules learn the culture learn how to become one of us and, and join us and and it's it, this is healthy it's not um it, it's weird to to the modern thing of hating your country it's actually sick it's literally mentally ill
1: yeah and i agree <laughs> um, and so it seems like where you see see some of this uh out there you go that doesn't seem very healthy that doesn't seem very normal exactly
0: exactly I mean, as you were talking David about turning things to opportunity one of the other what comes to mind is what you know one of the other key things one of the key pathologies of I mean not just the west but me and you and all of all humans is victim mentality victim consciousness and um and one of the key paths one of the one of the the basically I, when i i wish like if i could go back in time and be given a book to read when i was 15 years old it would be called a book called the empowerment dynamic by a chap called david emerald and he describes beautifully and eloquently the the path from victim consciousness to to creator consciousness and this essentially i mean it's true in all cultures so it's not just the west but in our culture you know we're riddled with it individually in our families in uh, our businesses in the way we do education or welfare healthcare immigration everything you know crime um and essentially he maps the triangle of what's called the drama triangle of the victim consciousness of you know i've had a loss or i've lost something or i've been harmed and the world's against me and I'm powerless and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then you've got the perpetrator, who's the one or the per- the person or the group or the thing that, that created the victim. So that could be, of course, the criminal or the fire or the cancer or the, the, the racist or the economic system or, you know, or whatever. And then you've got the uh, rescuer which is the uh, one that tries to rescue the victim from the perpetrator. Now, of course, there's there's healthy versions of this. So obviously, if you are the victim of a fire, you want the fireman to come to put out the perpetrator, which is the fire, and to, to rescue you. Or you want the doctor to heal you from your disease. And that's all good and healthy. But victim consciousness can become a toxic thing that actually holds us in a negative way of being. And where we're stuck in the West is that we've got loads of issues like this where there is the um, narcissistic rescuer who is the one who gets off on being the one to help the victims for their, to, to virtue signal, to feel good, to make themselves feel good. And the purpose of the victim is, so the so-called anti-racists, who, by the way, are usually extremely racist, uh, both consciously and unconsciously, um, they get off on being the rescuer that hates the the racist or the apparent racist uh, and is 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 uh, therefore theoretically liberating the poor victim of racism, but the whole thing is riddled with toxicity anyway the um um and, and you see that in a lot of charities you know of course charities in theory are really good but a lot of them actually are virtue signaling people getting off on helping the, the the victims for their own benefit um to make themselves feel better anyway the wonderful work that david emerald did was to show that you can go from uh the victim to creator so in other words i accept the world as it is you know i uh live in the world as it is i control what i can control i i, I don't focus on what i haven't got but what I, what I have got i have gratitude rather than resentment i go through a process of forgiveness and healing and release i focus on what i do want not what i don't want and then i take baby steps in that direction to, and so on and then the other roles is going from um um the perpetrator To the constructive challenger, such as the devil's advocate, the the um, the one that the the person or the thing or the challenge that inspires us to step up and be the best we can be, or it's like the kind of the the masculine side of the coach, and then the feminine side of the coach, uh, going from instead of rescuer who disempowers the victim to being a coach that empowers the victim into being a creator to, instead of finding the solutions to, to, to ask questions and help them be the best they can be, to coach them to, to step into their power. And, and basically that process um, works on the individual level, But it also worked, if you see, you could see the whole criminal justice system through that lens. You can see the whole business of racism and anti-racism, the whole business of welfare, of healthcare, And it it runs like a thread through absolutely everything. Um, But it is a massive challenge, both, you know, for all of us, all of us individually uh, riddled with victim consciousness. And uh, it really is both individually and as a group, a big challenge. But the what I strongly recommend people look at uh, David Emerald's work there because uh, he's really mapped out the path to, um, to really transforming ourselves, but also our systems for the better.
1: Well, our time's up. I really like this message that you've said about the – gratitude and uh the victim mentality moving from a victim mentality to uh empowered mentality which uh is going to be better for us uh, despite all the adversity that we may face Um, thanks again nicholas for being on and uh enjoyed your analysis of thank you david thank
0: you for the opportunity to speak with your audience and um, a, a pleasure to spend time with you